everyone to another episode of Good Morning Camera, the podcast that's dedicated to the headlining topics in the camera and creator world. I am one of your hosts, Gadget, and I am always joined by my brother in arms here, Anthony. Anthony, how are you doing, sir? What's going on? I'm pretty excited. This is going to be a joke, so I feel like this is going to be like a pretty value-packed episode, um, especially when we're talking about like editing and such, so let's uh, ooh, let's get into it. Ooh, this is a special one, and guys, if you are a fan of the show and you have questions, be sure to reach out to at Henry's Camera. Let us know there what questions you might have, and more importantly, if you're enjoying the show, leave a review for us on iTunes because it does help to discover you the show, but enough of that shameless plug. Let's talk about some of the cool and interesting things that are happening here. First, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is cool or confusing, and we're going to figure that out together, hopefully. <laughs> the Rico team has released the Pentax K3 Mark III. And this camera, it is a DSLR-style APS-C camera that definitely raises some eyebrows. So, Anthony, just really quickly, what does this camera offer? What does it feature? so uh this is about as pentax as pentax gets like when you look at this you're like okay this is this is a pentax camera like this uh i think this has got like the body that's meant for like a rap video it's uh it's thick it's thick with like a double c (laughs) (laughs) so uh this this thing's got like 12 frame uh frames per second in like the burst mode uh what's kind of new about this camera is that it has two sd card slots uh but it's like a new and improved buffer so uh the some of the articles that we were reading says that uh you can get somewhere close to 50 photos during a burst uh it's a dslr but this thing's also got uh, ibis it's weather sealed it has a touch screen but it doesn't articulate uh, and it does shoot 4k but it's not like super impressive 4k um, it's probably like a photography first camera but here's the thing this thing is priced at two thousand eight hundred and ninety nine dollars uh, so, so the the article that gadget sent me uh, was titled pentax k3 mark 3 could be the last new dslr and I think it should be. Yeah, you know when I when I heard the pre-release, and then the specs came out, and then it got announced. You know, Anthony, do you know what this reminds me of? Do you know exactly what go this ahead. reminds me of? <laughs> no, go for it. This reminds me of the episode of The Office where Oscar Martinez finds uh, extra <laughs> money in the budget, and he goes to Michael Scott, and he's like, "Hey." We need to use this by the end of the day or we lose it all. And I can't help but feel that someone at Pentax is like, hey, guys, all this money we're making on 360 cameras, it's great. And people are loving it. It it really is dominating this niche market. However, Mm -hmm. we got some extra DSLR money and we got to use it up by this fiscal year or else it's just gone. (laughs) And, And listen, I'm not trying to roast anyone here. (laughs) but it is an interesting product so let me be serious for one second looking at the specs looking at the timing of this event if i had to guess really why this product is being announced and released i wonder (laughs) if it's sort of like uh more of an r&d initiative that they're gonna try Mm. and make some money on but it's more about the tech it's more about uh, really showing showing what they can do in this world and with their sensor and the technology and their uh, engineering. 
and then set that up for something else. So whether that's a better 360 camera or more consumer-friendly mm -hmm. options or, and not completely out of the realm of possibility, just setting themselves up for an acquisition. Maybe, maybe yeah. the books are not that great and they're just saying, hey guys, <laughs> we can do a bunch of cool things. Uh, maybe you should buy us. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what this is, but I am hard pressed to believe that a camera of this size with this feature set and especially this price point is going to do well in the market. I, I think, you know, yeah. it'd be a surprise for everyone if it does. And mm -hmm. I'm actually more interested to know why. I, I, I would love to know the why of this camera. And <laughs> Anthony, are we ever going to find out why? Do you really think we'll ever find out? I, I don't think so, but uh, the market is the market, you know, so um, there's going to be a lot of stiff competition. Like, think about this. You can get the Fujifilm X-T4 with the 18 to 55 lens or like a like a Z6 Mark II for that kind of price. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, it's, I mean tough it's not even fair to really compare it to other cameras. I think that's not, that's not <laughs> even a fair thing to do. Um, okay. Before we go to the next topic, Glad though. We're on the same page. Before we go to the next topic, I would like to hear your crazy conspiracy as to why this camera is a release. This is absolutely not true, folks. We are not reporting this as news. But if you're with your tinfoil cap on, what's yeah, your crazy conspiracy? I got, I, got, I got something for you. So the, the reason why I think you should get a DSLR in 2021 is for protection. Really, like because you could beat somebody up with a Nikon D850, and I think that this so, is so. Going what to you're be the saying is kind of what you're saying is Pentax is filling a void in the market uh, for self-defense cameras. That's what you're saying here. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Confirm. This is an action sports camera that you may need to hit like hit like a billy goat that's trying to smoke you yes. in the gut. Yes. There you have it. <laughs> Only on Good Morning Camera do you get these valuable insights. <laughs> Moving on, we're going to talk about a, a crazy piece of technology here, okay? Yeah. Adobe has released their AI-powered super resolution in their Camera Raw software. And for those of you uh, that don't know anything about this and may have just, you know, been confused of what I just said, get this. If you throw in a raw file from most of the cameras that are on the market today, this piece of code in Adobe software, you know, that ties into mm -hmm. Lightroom and it ties into Photoshop and all this kind of stuff that you get with your Creative Cloud membership. This technology will essentially give you four times the resolution. Meaning if you threw in a 12 megapixel image, you could get a 48 megapixel image that's, you know, much bigger, much bigger, right? So, Anthony, looking mm -hmm. at the news and, and kind of diving into it, what are your first impressions and what do you think about this technology? So there's actually two parts to this technology. One is like the high resolution uh, capabilities that this tech gives you, but also the low light performance, which is super interesting to me. Uh, when I first heard uh, about this product, the first question I was asking myself is, is it easy enough to do in just like a couple clicks? Because like to me or say like the average person, um, they're not really good. How, how many times are, are, am I being like, I really wish I had like 70 megapixels, like not too often. Uh, but like I said, if it's easy, then I think it's going to be uh, uh, something that people are, are going to be super um, 
interested in, in using. And apparently it is, it is like two clicks in camera raw, and then it spits you out like a high resolution photo in a matter of like a couple seconds. So this is actually going to be super interesting to, to try out. Yeah. And, you know, we've had some great content come out from uh, YouTubers such as Chris Brockhurst and Dan Watson, where they talk about, you know, how good this is. And really the question that's being posed online is, does this eliminate the need for a high-resolution camera? And, Anthony, I want to hear what you think about mm -hmm. this. Personally, I don't know if it eliminates it because here's the thing. You still have to go through this extra process, you know, on the back end to get this image. So you're relying on a piece of technology outside of your domain of control and really outside of physics in the field. And when people were doing the tests side-by-side, mm -hmm. side, and even in some of my tests, I found that, a higher resolution image from a camera, if you are pixel peeping, still gives you a bit more sharpness, a bit more clarity, uh, especially yeah. in the mid-tone range. Not the extremes, but in the mid-tone range where you're talking about you know, portraits and people, it's incredibly mm -hmm. valuable there. So I, I think this is very important technology. I, I think this is just going to be the beginning where eventually you'll get to a point where when you're just resizing an image in Photoshop, it's using this technology mm -hmm. in the background. It is seamless and it's enlarging things much better without having to go through the step of camera raw. But yeah. I don't know if it quite eliminates the need because if you are a working professional, it really is something that you almost just use as a safety blanket. You would rather use your resources yeah. to get something that is going to give you the best ingredients at the beginning and then later use the technology as needed. But again, for most consumers, this is just exciting, exciting news. Do you think that this is going to eliminate the need for high resolution cameras? Um, no, I, I think there's going to be a lot of photographers who stick within that realm. Uh, and as cool as this tech is, uh, I've been saying for a long time that megapixels don't really matter. Like I used to make like massive prints in, for a gallery in London, Ontario. Um, and I shot with like a 16 megapixel pixel Fuji X-T1. Uh, and personally, I think if you're a true photographer, you should learn about like PPI uh, and getting the image right in the camera before even bothering to try to like turn your a7s2 into like a medium format camera um yeah but what is super exciting about this is uh, have you watched the show um on netflix uh night on earth yeah 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 yeah, so that that show is so insane, uh, and it's it's beautiful. Like the footage is amazing. So the the high resolution part of this software is cool, but it's not like a huge deal for a lot of people. But what is cool is the low light capabilities. So when you shoot something at a super high ISO, um, the, it, and then run it through this software, it actually cleans up the image uh, quite a bit, and also brings back some of that color information. And it kind of reminded me of this show on earth uh you got to check it out on netflix because they shoot all this amazing footage in like 8k at like night and the colors are just absolutely amazing yeah. so yeah. um that's what kind of gets me excited about this software i mean that could have been a creator draft pick because that show if you haven't checked it out imagine <laughs> yeah. you know planet earth uh that david attenborough style documentary but they shoot it at night and like you said it just it looks so beautiful because if you normally associate yeah. nighttime you know, nature footage, you, you kind of have an idea of what it looks like. This, this thing is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got to check that out, add it to your watch list. But first, but first, we're going to talk about editing 
our images. And I think, you know, with each yeah. episode, we might want to visit some sort of question or topic uh, that we see in the community or someone has asked us. And this one is how you actually go about the process of editing your images. So once you've sort of shot mm -hmm. them, downloaded them, we talked about our backup strategies, once we've backed them all up and we've culled and chosen the images that are going to mm -hmm. be the final products, what's your process? So, Anthony, let's start with you. How do you go about editing these images? For sure. So um, some of the things that I would go through, uh, especially in Lightroom, uh, most of my editing is going to be in Lightroom. And I really only dive into Photoshop um, to like take out distractions or just like manipulate manipulate some of the the features in like an actual photo uh but say like in lightroom i would make sure that you know um you're adjusting the the tone curve um i love that tone curve tool in uh lightroom uh, and then one of the key kind of things is uh playing around with split toning is actually something that um, i like to do maybe adding uh some warmer things into the highlights uh adding some blues into the shadows that's always what one of my favorite things to do uh, and then sharpening um, sharpening is actually uh, a low-key like super important um, kind of detail to like the the overall image it adds that extra little bit of pop and makes like the images look super sharp so I think um, some of those are, are some of the things that I might adjust um, like straight up in Lightroom and that's that's super gotcha. Yeah, with respect to editing, I feel like everyone kind of works through and eventually gets to a place where they're happy. And for me, um, for the work that I do, once I have an image and I know I'm going to edit it, the first thing I'll do is crop it and get the composition right. Where do I want the focus mm -hmm. of, uh, of the viewer to be? Am I following the rule of thirds or am I completely ignoring the rule of thirds? So, you know, crop, rotate, and maybe even use the keystone tool to adjust it so it looks like, you know, the framing that I want it to be at. The next thing I'll do mm -hmm. is look at the histogram and use this as a guide and really it's a two-step process. The first thing I want to do is get the image close to what it looks like if you were perceiving it with a human eye in a very neutral mm -hmm. way. So that is to say, let's make sure that not too much information is being lost in the shadows or the highlights. Yeah. So using the histogram, making sure that we're pulling in the information, that we're adjusting the dynamic range of the highlights, the shadows, the whites, and the blacks to make sure that the data in front of us is a good representation mm -hmm. of what our eyes would see. And this also comes to white balance as well. Like what is sort of the neutral white balance? And this is, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can sort of see where I'm going here, where it's almost like doing color correction and then color grading in the film world, yeah. right? I'm doing the correction first to get it to where I'd like it to be. And then I go through the creative process where I'll go to the levels tool and look at, okay, do I want the shadows to be here or do I want to crush them a bit? Or do I want to blow out mm -hmm. the sky and make it pure white or a pure white background? Then I'll go into, like you mentioned, the curve tool and see, do I want to creatively adjust and create contrast in the color channels or just in the luminance of the image? And from there, this yeah. is where it gets really spicy is the color. And I'll use mm -hmm. the uh, three-way color tool, the advanced color editor in Capture One and use this to manipulate color in the shadows, midtones, and highlights to get it to a unique place where I want it to be. When that yeah. is set, one of two things are gonna happen. I'm either going to kick this out to retouching, whether it's by myself or someone else or in Photoshop, what have you, and then bring it back for the final sort of creative look, or I'll just go into the creative look, which is me fixing the sharpening to the place where I want it to be, 
then going in mm-hmm. and maybe even adding a little bit of noise grain and give it a more natural look. And it really comes down to your style at that point. But yeah, that's that's essentially my process in a nutshell. And I'd love to hear what other people do with respect to editing their images. So please reach out to us at mm-hmm. Henry's Camera. Let us know how you go through your editing process and if there's anything interesting that you use. But first... We're going to talk about our creator draft picks. We do this every episode where at the end of the show, Anthony, we talk about, we mention our favorite piece of technology or tool that is making a difference in our work. And I will quickly mention yeah. mine because I just talked about it. And I am sorry for all the Adobe Lightroom fans that I may insult <laughs> here. Anthony, you included. I'm sorry. But Capture One Pro is by far, and this is entirely my opinion, I was not paid to say this. The best (laughs) photo editing software on the market. What I love about this Mm -hmm. is that it it gives you the option to operate where all your images sit in one place, like a catalog, or you can use sessions where each project is enclosed into a single folder. And you can take that folder on a hard drive in the cloud, wherever you want, and all your settings, adjustments, selections, star ratings are tied to that folder it is incredibly versatile that way and it gives you such a rich feature set which includes tethering when you're on the field and you want to shoot and connect to a computer and preview your images the best tethering that you can get on the market and their recent update they've announced layered brushes so you can actually go in and really do robust retouching and and color correction and fixing you know red eyes or blemishes or any of that stuff in the software itself and here's what takes it over the goal line for me, it is incredibly fast. I've Mm -hmm. used Lightroom for many years and I may use it on occasion for some specific Lightroom related needs. And this Capture One Pro blows it out of the water, especially when I'm throwing thousands of images at it. If you have not tried it, I would encourage you to try the trial. Try the trial. I'd I'd encourage you (laughs) to go and download the trial and see for yourself. They have free versions available if you're a Fuji, Canon, Sony, Nikon user. They have, you know, free versions for their software. They also have uh, a paid pro version and even a monthly subscription depending on what you need. But for me, for the work Mm -hmm. that I do, I can't be anywhere near as fast and as productive without Capture One Pro. So my creator draft pick is Capture One Pro 21, especially their new update, which gives you a ton of valuable features. Enough about me. Anthony, what about you? What is your creative draft pick? Yeah, for, well, first of all, like Capture Pro, uh, Capture One is actually one of the best to edit while you're shooting, which is actually really sick. And it mm-hmm. kind of leads into the last topic that we, we talked about. So good transition there, Gadget. But I got a uh, the the creator draft pick. This one is fully loaded. Uh, and it's something that I'm actually currently using at this moment in time. It is the PodTrack P4 from Zoom. Oh, no. This thing, this thing is pretty slick, okay? I feel my wallet. <laughs> I feel my wallet wincing. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me about this product. Well, well, here's this is the best thing about this PodTrack P4 gadget. It is one of the cheapest Zoom recorders minus like the H1 because this thing is 269.99 and it actually is a bargain because the H6 is 469.99 and it offers very similar controls um, with a few extra little goodies and I feel like it's just better laid out. 
the the H6 is a, is a chunky chunky little little thing, right? So the the Pontrac P4 gives you four XLR uh, inputs on the top of the unit. You should look this up. So while while we're uh, while you're I'm I'm explaining it, you can I, I'm a, I'll literally walk you through this whole unit. So four XLRs at the top, and then you have uh, all your control dials for the, every single mic that you have plugged into the unit. You have mute buttons uh, going down the unit. You have a sound pad, which I've actually been throwing in like little random sound effects uh, throughout this podcast. So I'll uh, kind of demo some right now. You won't be able to hear this gadget, but uh, I'm currently playing the applause sound effect. Wow. Uh, wow. And then it's almost can, like you're can... right there. <laughs> <laughs> you can customize the sound pad to really like match and and do whatever you want. So my applause sound effect, I press it, hold it, and then it has its own volume control. So you can c- turn down the volume and fade out the applause or fade out the sound effect, however you want. We could play the intro to the podcast. I could play it on the Zoom recorder, and you would have you wouldn't even have to edit the the podcast uh, like that gadget. So super interesting. Love all the features on the sound pad, and I love the fact that it has has uh, its own little uh, volume control as well. So you can really get that nice and tight. The next thing is it's got four headphone jacks and they all have their own volume control. So everybody on the podcast can monitor their own uh, audio, which is great. Last but not least, there's like a little switch on channel three that uh, you can switch it over and plug in a smartphone. So say me and you are recording a podcast face to face one day <laughs> and uh, we want to have a calling guest. We could use the PodTrack P4, plug in a uh, phone to the actual unit. And now we're rec- taking the audio from the phone call and putting it right into the, the Zoom recorder. There is one drawback to this Zoom recorder, and I don't know how it is on the the H6. I'm pretty sure it's similar, but normally I use a two gigabyte card uh, to record audio because audio files are very, very small. Uh, But the PodTrack P4 separates the audio files and creates separate files on the SD card. So my two gigabyte cards are really only good for small recordings because I recorded an interview uh, about a week ago and I ran out of space after an hour. Uh, I was running like all four microphones. Uh, I was also running like six cameras. So I literally ran out of SD cards. Uh, I didn't have enough. But luckily I was recording in a Henry store while it was closed. So, I mean, they had a few extra length i mean i mean the sheer audacity of this individual to mention a two gigabyte (laughs) card i'll tell you it's probably harder and more expensive to find a two gigabyte card than an eight gigabyte card at the least anthony what's going on here we used to sell two gigabyte cards all the time and they were like they were like nine dollars at henry's so yeah i have a bunch of them i'm Uh, i'm I'm gonna shake out my couch and i'm gonna find you some change (laughs) for a 16 gigabyte card sir this is ridiculous yeah yeah. it's 30 it's 32 gigabyte cards from now on (laughs) amazing amazing great great selection there and it's a really fascinating product so Once again, this is Good Morning Camera. Thank you guys so much for listening. Most importantly, most importantly, I was trying to say more importantly, but then I went to most. (laughs) It is the most important thing for me right now. If you go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think of this show, what you'd like to see in the future, or if there's a special guest you'd like us to bring on the show. As always, my name's Gadget. His name's Anthony, and we'll see you next time.